Mr. Kaylee Fretz. Do you yes, Strava? Sir. Do you Strava? Do you love Strava, Kaylee? I love the Strava. Did you Strava so today? Much. I Strava this morning. What did you Strava this morning? I strava my hour and 18 minute, uh, not all that fast bicycle ride. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. But I got a PR on a, on a thing. Yeah. Well, that's even better. You know what you can do with that hour and 18 minute PR, Strava? You can go over to Health IQ and submit it as proof that you're a healthy, fit individual. Uh, Health IQ, as you all know by now, is the life insurance company that works specifically with fit, healthy individuals, cyclists, runners, vegans, uh, people like you and me, Kaylee. Yep. Uh, So where where can they go? I believe there is a URL. There's a special website. There's a special website because Health IQ loves the listeners of the Velmoose podcast. There's a special website where you can go get your quote. That is healthiq.com slash Velo News. Pretty easy to remember. And that's where you can submit your awesome Strava-ness. Instead of just bragging about it to all your friends, you can you can make that Strava like work for you. Save you some buckaroos. Exactly. All right, on with the show. Welcome to the Velo News Podcast. I'm Spencer Paulison here with Kaylee Fretz here in Boulder, Colorado. Hey, Spencer. Where all of the yoga studios have been calibrating their power meters, getting <laughs> set for the fall season of Cyclo Yoga Cross or something like that, maybe. Uh, we're here joined by our faithful European correspondent, Andrew Hood. How's it going, Andy? Hey, guys. I'm, I'm in a place called Caravaca Villa Cruz. And uh, you'll probably hear this in the next uh, little bit. We've got a bunch of kids here running around. It's about 10.30 at night here in Spain. And this town was, it's famous for many things, but uh, the most famous is it was a place where one of the Muslim Muslim kings of the Moorish empire that invaded Spain a thousand or eight hundred years ago converted to Christianity. So this is like a big, uh, it's like right up there with Lourdes. We're like in Lourdes country, but in Spain. It's just Catholic uh, country right here. <laughs> I can picture it now. I can picture it now. I like this history lesson. We should do this more often, Hoodie. We should. This is good stuff. History with Hoodie. Wow, that child is really going crazy there in the background. <laughs> Holy cow. I got a whole band of them here. Wow. Spanish yeah, yeah. Okay. But you're in Spain, of course, covering the Vuelta a España. If um, I, I just kind of butchered the old pronunciation there. I tried, right. I tried to do the, the Spanish, the TH for the S. Yeah, and it is the first rest day. How, how was it's your rest, first day, rest day, Hoodie? Yeah. Uh, as you guys well know, rest days are not very restful. A lot yeah, of driving, sipping around a team of hotels, went to Team Sky in the morning, trek Sigafred in the afternoon, and uh, squeeze in a bike ride. Had to be done. Well, glad you got in a bike ride. That's a good thing. Uh, well, we want to start today with the Vuelta. We're also going to be talking about the Cannondale news uh, that, that pro- cropped up over the weekend. Uh, obviously, that's... Uh, well, it's very sad news. We we got on the phone with Jonathan Vodders, and we will have that interview later in the podcast. But let's start first and foremost with the Vuelta. Uh, we had another big weekend of racing, particularly the Cumbre del Sol over the weekend. Froome put his foot down again. The only guy that could stay anywhere near him was Chavez, and then in third, Michael Woods. This begs the question, and Spencer and I were sitting around before, uh, before we hit record today. Can Froome... Make any bike race boring, Spencer? Right, right, because we always say, oh, the Vuelta a España is the most exciting race of the season. This is, you know, going to be short stages. This is going to be attacking, and riders are racing with no, you know, no thought of tomorrow because it's the last Grand Tour of the season, and yada, yada, yada. 
Froom shows up and smashes everyone. Kind of just feels like he's sort of sucked the air out of the race after just nine stages. Yeah, but he's never won, has he? <laughs> That's true. There, it's a 21-stage race. He, he, he has he has been three times second. I don't know. I mean, I, I put I put out a tweet today. We did a funny interview with Froome today inside. I did get a tour of inside the uh, the racer hub, the trailer that uh, these guys brought to the Wilbur this year. It's this big paddock-style Formula One tractor trailer that they, they bring to the team hotels every night. It's an eating space. It's a fully uh, kitchen. It's a two-decker thing. It's an impressive piece of equipment Team Sky has there. And I just asked Froome, you know, because in light of what happened to Canada, we'll talk, we'll talk about this later. You know, does, does Team Sky have a financial advantage? Let's put out a quote. He has said a funny thing. Well, he said, if we, if we make everybody equal, it would be like communism. <laughs> okay. That's one way to kind put of it. A, kind of a one way to put it. It's kind of an outrageous quote. But everyone started piling on Froome. Everyone piles on Froome all the time. I cannot understand why there's this anti-Froome feeling around cycling fans. I mean, Froome is exemplary in every way. And, okay, if you buy into the argument and you think he's doped, maybe I can understand why you hate him. But if you don't buy into that argument, he's been exemplary in every other way that he deals with the sport. He races. He comes to the Welta every year. How many Tour de France champions ever raced the Welta after winning the Tour? He's here racing. He's here to racing to win. I think he deserves more credit than he, than he gets from some of the punchers up there. Does pro cycling just not really like winners? I mean, is that the problem? Do we are we just the un, are we the, the sport of the underdogs, and we just sort of we, we're, we're always hoping for a Bardet victory or Chavez victory or you know whoever and and whoever is 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 dominant at the time that there, there's always a lot of animosity toward them. I, I mean, Hoodie, you've been covering the sport a lot longer than we have. Has that been the case with previous champions? Uh, it's an interesting observation. Um, there, there was certainly that aspect and that feeling during the Armstrong era. You know, the French hated Lance and Lance hated the French. There was mutual <laughs> animosity there. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, with, with Froome, he's trying to do everything right in the sense of he's speaking French. Um, I think that the big anti-Sky feeling really comes from the sense that they just got so much more money than anybody else. And everyone feels like it's an unfair uh, playing field hmm. in the sense of resources and what they can throw at the race. But you're right. The cycling is all about underdogs. I mean, the most popular rider in France is uh, Poulidor, right? He never even won the, <laughs> he never even won the tour in a French lover. That is so absolutely it's a, it's true. A good, good very French. It's very French. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know, I, I will say that I think I just like to see different winners. And so when you see when you see the same guy dominating over and over and over again, it just gets a little bit boring for me. And I like to see a good battle myself. Yeah, I like to I like an uncertain outcome. That's the thing, uncertainty. That's what makes a race exciting for me. So hoodie, given this, given the fact that we are sort of uh, in the underdog camp, can you can you tell us anything to make us feel better about the remaining two weeks of this Vuelta a España? Uh, is there anyone out there who could potentially really? you know, put the boots to Froome at some point? Uh, the only thing that's going to stop Chris Froome is an act of God at this point, fellas. <laughs> uh, that's not what we here. Oh, okay. <laughs> but tomorrow, tomorrow they are forecasting uh, Noah's Ark-type level rain showers here in Spain. So this is stage 10. Rain. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. It, it hasn't rained in Spain since about 2013. <laughs> so if it rains tomorrow, it's going to be just... Uh, Dante asks, it's going to be crazy, especially where we are right now, this region called Murphy. Yeah, very dry. It hasn't rained here in several months. Uh, if it does rain, 
the roads will be absolutely treacherous. Well, we would never wish ill upon anybody, but uh, maybe that will make for some good racing on Tuesday, which is actually probably when you will be listening to this particular podcast. Uh, we have one more Vuelta thing. Honestly, there, there's we're, we're, we're looking ahead toward a whole lot of big stages of the Vuelta the last weekend didn't really show us anything that we didn't already know. Uh, the one other storyline that we had going from the Vuelta in the last couple of days was Warren Barguil's removal from the race by his own team, ostensibly for basically failing to follow orders. Hoodie, you wrote this story. Can you tell us exactly what happened there? It really came down to a stage a couple of days ago. Don't ask me which one it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You know how it gets mid, mid grand tour. Oh yes, Evan, uh, you're a man that will kill Kelderman and puncture Barguil, who was still in the top 15 on GC. Rode in with the GC group, and all this all this happened very late in the race. So I would only assume that Barguil was thinking that okay, it's within three Ks, he's not going to lose time anyway. But I'm going to do the smart thing and stay with the GC group. He didn't like wait and sit up and wait and pull uh, Wilco Kelderman back into the group. Mm. And that, evidently, though, that was just the straw that brought the camels back, right? It wasn't just that one particular incident. Evidently, there's been some tension within that team that Bargui, as he's gotten the results, as he's become the the big rider rivaling Tom Dumoulin, that there was tension within that team, both for the leadership of the tour, plus also his kind of philosophy of racing. That team somewhat, especially more than even most teams, it's the team becomes before me. And Bargui, evidently, I think it might have been just, you know, Bargui wants to win, right? So he knows that Tom Dumoulin's coming up with the Dutch team. Dumoulin's the Dutch star. He's, he read the writing on the wall. It's, and, of course, he's switching to the uh, new team, Fortuneo, next year, mm-hmm. breaking his contract. But there were several kind of underlying tensions that kind of led to this point where they actually keep him out of the race, which really is unprecedented. The last time... Riders were kicked out was when Andy Schleck and Stuart O'Grady stumbled into the team hotel at 5 a.m. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like uh, 2010 or 11, Welta Spagna, Bjarni Reese was waiting for them. <laughs> That's a way better story. Let's be honest. I, I think That's this, a way better story. Yeah, I think this is such a stupid move. I mean, come on, Sunweb. Look at Wilco Kelderman. You, you cannot sit here and tell me that he is going to do anything in the Vuelta. He'll float around, maybe get sixth overall, maybe get fourth overall at best. He's not going to win a stage. Come on. Like, Warren Bargui is going to attack, and he's going to get a result for them. And to pull him out of the race, it's just silly. It's like, it's like in the first season of Friday Night Lights when Coach Eric Taylor pulls Voodoo Taylor out of the football game because he's disobeying orders, you know? Come on. It's ridiculous. No idea what that reference is. It's a good show, okay. Friday Night Lights. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think... Uh, it always comes down to money, boys. It always comes down to money. Yeah. So just my hunch is uh, if they kick him out, they might not have to pay him as much money at the end of the season. Who knows? Really? You think they can they can hold back on some of his salary? I, and it's just the cynic within me. I tried to read the tea leaves. Wow. I didn't realize. Eh? Well, at the very least, he's not going to get any bonuses for winning stages. The Dutch are out. thrifty. Yeah. The Dutch are a thrifty people. <laughs> thrifty people. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and, and because he does have a foot out the door, uh, I, I can see how... You know, you would only need one straw to break the camel's right. back in that particular instance. Still, uh, it, I think it's kind of a bummer for us. He's always in, in animating style. He would have gotten a result. You he know, he would have gotten a result. You know, he would have gotten a result. Yeah, and so him being ejected from the the Vuelta by his own team a little bit odd. That I think concludes our our brief Vuelta coverage for this week's podcast. Uh, we need to get into the major storyline in American cycling right now, which is the potential imminent collapse of Cannondale Drapek. 
Uh, we heard about this on Sunday morning, Saturday morning, Saturday morning, Saturday. We heard about this on Saturday morning. Uh, the riders' agents and some other riders were originally informed on Friday morning, and according to a interview with Jonathan Vodders that you will hear later, uh, actually Jonathan was only really informed of of the issue on Friday morning. Uh, basically, when he got a phone call from a sponsor saying that that they were going to have some issues. Uh, hoodie. Let's do a quick historical recap here. I'm going to put you on the spot, but you just wrote the story, so it should be it should be close in mind here. Uh, this team has has they've run into issues before in terms of funding. They, they've merged with other programs. They've had sponsors pull out. Uh, run us through the sort of historical timeline of of Jonathan Vodder's professional cycling program and all of the issues that it's had. Yeah, Jonathan came into the sport, of course, after racing pro came in with some strong ideals and he wanted to create a team where riders could race clean. That was his personal foundation that he built the team upon. But he'd never find that angel investor. I mean, Doug Ellis, credit to him. He's, he has invested millions and millions of dollars into that team and, and supporting that vision. But they've never been able to get like that marquee sponsor, a Sky, someone who could really step up and give them the financial security to allow them to kind of build this brand that they're hoping to build. They had Garmin, I think, for a five or six year run. That was a solid run. That was their best years as a team because they actually didn't have that money. But without really um, betraying their original vision, you know, they won the Giro, they won Paris-Roubaix, they won stages all three Grand Tours. And after uh, Garmin left, that's when, I mean, even, even up through that time, he was always kind of on a tightrope, struggling to have enough that financial base to really take on these big teams you know, he's, he would always say his you know, his budget was less than half of team skies you can imagine that what that difference in money gets you because even today i, I did an interview with nicholas uh, portal who was the uh, sport director of team sky he was saying look we don't spend all of our money on our writers everyone says oh we just pay all of our writers so much money to team sky they're spending that money investing in the, in the back room stuff in terms of training and diet, all those extra things that go into performance in today's Peloton. And that's where I think Sky is most productive and most successful is they have that just, you know, they have millions of dollars to spend on those kinds of things. Like it comes down to just simple things like the skin suit. Right. Well, and that's the kind of stuff that will, will actually make big name riders want to go to your team, even if you're maybe paying them the same or even less than at other programs. The illegal skin suits. Yes. Those will be <laughs> maybe illegal. Yeah, skin illegal skin <laughs> but you know, all, all these little things that, that you look at a program like that, you'll say, okay, I think I can excel there. And that is certainly something that all these highly competitive athletic individuals uh, are going to want. And so, yeah, I think that portal makes a really good point there and that everyone does say, Oh, well, Sky just pays their, their riders a ton of money. Uh, but that is not the only piece of the Sky equation. Nonetheless, we are talking about, you know, <laughs> Vodders' team, he's saying he needs $16 million to run a decent team and that he's $7 million short. Uh, $7 million bucks is, you know, <laughs> if you just take Chris Froome's salary, you're, you're most of the way there to seven million dollars. So there is no, there is no question that there is some equality or inequality uh, within the pro ranks. Uh, the likeliness of that happening in the next two weeks, uh, probably not all that good. Uh, some of the riders have said that they're going to give JV some time. Uh, Rigoberto Uran said that he's going to give JV two weeks uh, to, to try to, 
you know, nail down a new sponsor. Hoodie, talk to us about what this means for, for some of those riders and staff this late in the season. I mean, it, you know, it's not as late as something like, I remember when Jayox uh, folded, that was like October, but it's definitely late in the game. Yeah, it's, it's very late in the game. As you guys well know, these, these deals are, are made months, months in advance. Most of the big names are, are already sealed up by Tour de France time. Riders are constantly trying to secure their future. So by almost mid-late August, going into the end of the Welta, especially if it's a whole team, if it's one or two guys still trying to find a spot at the table, you can usually try to find something. But to have suddenly almost 30 riders on the market at this time of the game is very, very hard. And guys like Iran, okay, yeah. He'll give JB two weeks because Uran, he just finished second with Tour of France. He knows he'll be able to find a team. But all those guys in the middle of the of that of that team that don't have something lined up, they're be sweating it. They're sweating it already. They're sweating it from uh, Friday morning. I mean one runner already told me, he said, uh, the only time I've been thinking about the wealth was actually when I was in my on the bike hmm. in the race. Because the rest of the time he's thinking, you know, what the hell? Is my bike racing career over right now? And then for the staff, yeah, forget about it. Those guys, those guys are gonna be on the street. I mean, the swanier, the bus drivers, the mechanics, the sport directors. There's only so many spots on these teams, and these teams really are like families. You know, you see the riders kind of come and go, but normally you see the support staff, and they're there for years and years and years. And that's because they know how to do their jobs. They know how to get along with the riders. They know the staff. They know each other. They're all friends, they're like a big family. So when suddenly. You're talking uh, another dozen or so more staff. You'll have a hard time finding a job. Hey, Hoodie, how soon do you think we'll start seeing Cannondale riders go to new teams? Well, I'm sure that process uh, started already before the news even broke on Saturday. But as soon as that the word got out Friday, I'm sure every rider was calling their agent as soon as they could because, <laughs> you know, they want to find a job. So... People are saying publicly they're waiting for JV. Man, they're not waiting for anything because you you wait for two or three weeks. That's just two or three weeks that you're wasting. And they're all they're all on the phones. They're all working. They're all talking. I mean, the good thing about the guys at least here at the Welta and then other guys at the race, they are racing and they can kind of show themselves. I mean, what Ken and Dale did uh, yesterday's stage was impressive. I mean, they were at the front. They controlled the race. They brought they brought in the breakaway. They set out Michael Woods. He didn't win the stage. He was third. But man, that's that's. Even even Froome said he was impressed the way the Canada wrote because they were all realizing, hey, man, we got to do something to to show ourselves. Yeah, actually, Hoodie, you you sent in a couple of audio files to us, including Joe Dombrowski and Michael Woods. Uh, let's just cut to those real quick and let's let's listen to what those guys had to say uh, from yesterday's stage. You guys are out there doing some great riding, helping out your man. That those last few big pulls by you, that was great, uh, great effort by you and uh, Simon. What was the Thanks. plan? The plan there obviously was to set up Michael. Thanks. Very close. Yeah, um, you know these these sort of finishes really suit Mike really well. Um, you know they're short and explosive, and the climbs tend to be. I mean, even the average gradient is a lot. You know, ten percent, but you've got downhills in the middle, so <laughs> you can imagine. Uh, you know, if you're doing 450 watts in the 32 on the back of the cassette, then it's a real grinder. So. Um, yeah. Anyhow, these finishes suit suit Mike really well, and um, you know we thought even though he's up on GC, if 
we can try and control the brake um, at the start to make sure that it's a manageable size. Then we'll ride today and you know try and set it up for the stage win because he was feeling confident and um, you know actually we had a talk on the bus uh, this morning and Wanma, our director, said, guys, we can do this one of two ways. I mean, I know that all of us have houses and families and, you know, a lot of us don't know what if we're going to have a job next year. And it can be every man for himself and that's fine. I get that. You might have two kids and a mortgage and whatever and you have to pay the bills. Or we can work as a team and, you know, try and try and give everyone an opportunity on a stage but really commit as a team and, and do our best each day to to help each other out um, which is you know what you saw today so I think that I think that says a lot about this team and that um, you know obviously we're all a bit on edge right now but um, to see the guys really commit and and go all in for something it, it shows a lot what was that team meeting like this morning anyway, Joe? I mean, obviously the news, you guys, I guess, knew, knew the news already yesterday. But did you have a team meeting yesterday morning already about the news, or was it just really today that you guys talked about it openly? Um, I had heard about it a couple days ago uh, via my agent, and then yesterday we received the email. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it briefly on the bus yesterday, and we really in the meeting today we kind of you know, discussed what we were going to do as a team. Um, because, I mean, we can't really change anything about what may or may not happen with the team structure or what the rider market may be like or whatever. The only thing we can really do here is uh, try and do the best race we can here at this Volta. Um, so I think, you know, if we stay focused on that, then it'll we'll get something positive out of it. And then hopefully with that, uh, we'll, we'll all have some good news. How did you take the news when you first heard it? I mean, is it going to affect your racing here? I mean, obviously, you're just saying you stick together as a team, but obviously you got things yeah, in yeah. your mind as well, obviously. No, for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Mike's iPhone broke the other day, and I happen to have three and three working phone plans because I'm in the process of canceling one, the life of an international bike rider. <laughs> exactly. But, uh... So I sold him an unlocked iPhone for 50 bucks. That's a good and, deal. And that was like four days ago. And he's like, dude, not only was that a great deal, but it's coming really big time handy right now because uh, I think we're all kind of glued to our phones, trying to get more info and, you know, seeing um, what the future might be. And yeah, it's, I mean, you could see today, obviously we're really focused on the race, but if I'm honest, you know, last night and this morning, I didn't even really feel like I was at the race. I was more uh, focused on, you know, the the future, I guess. Yeah. Will it help to be racing, or would you rather be taking care of business uh, outside the team bus in terms of just securing your future? Obviously, you have a couple of weeks well, to kind of wait and see what. Yeah, yeah. Out. I mean, obviously, if you're not at, if you're not at the race, you might have a little more time to to work on it. But that being said, you know, you can also look at it as an opportunity to. You know, if, if you ride a good Vuelta, then that'll certainly help your case. Um, and all the team managers are here, which might help. <laughs> exactly. So Not to make light of the situation. It, but it's yeah. probably better to be racing than to be sitting at home right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tomorrow, rest day, you go into the second half of this Vuelta, kind of just waiting really to see what happens outside the bus. But also, Yeah, well, first off, uh, I requested a, a taco night. 
by our chef Sean um, tonight. That will so, boost morale. Yeah, so we're gonna have uh, tacos al pastor, oh, man. Um, which I'm excited about, and I might have a cerveza along with it. Oh man, you deserve it. <laughs> Thanks for the time. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay. Good luck. Yeah, man, great ride. Just talking through that last climb. Uh, yeah, well, uh, the team uh, rode amazing for me today. Every single guy on the team rode the front. Uh, we had bad news yesterday, um, just with the potential of the team folding. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it is, but we had uh, so about you know 24 hours of morale. And uh, on the team bus today, we decided we were just going to take the bull by the horns, as, as cliche as that is, and uh, ride the front and try and win the stage. Um, Coming to the climb, I felt really good, and I thought I had a real good shot at winning. Uh, it just wasn't as good as Rumor Chavez, but uh, I, I, I mean, I gave all my best for the guys, and uh, it wasn't a win, but uh, I'm still pretty pleased with third place. Got to be satisfied with how you're performing so far on this Welta. I mean, right there with big guys like Froome and Chavez and stages like this. For sure, I'm um, satisfied. Faction is not maybe not the greatest uh, way to describe it, just because. Now I want to win. I think that's when I'll be satisfied, but uh, I am pretty uh, pretty pleased so far with how I'm performing. You guys want to stay focused on this race? you got still half the welter to go, despite the news that's happening outside the team bus? 100%. I mean, the team's still not folding yet, and uh, we, we still uh, are in a bike race. We still want to win stages, and that's the goal. So we haven't won one yet, but, uh, you know, we've got uh, 12 more stabs at it. All right, thanks, Michael. Appreciate the time. Good luck. All right, Huddy, uh, we will let you get back to dinner. I know it's quite late there in Spain. Uh, well, actually, not really late by Spanish standards. There's still, no, no, no. still little children running around. But anyway, we will let you get back to work. I'm sure that's what you're doing. Um, and we will jump into this interview with Jonathan Vodders. Thanks again, Huddy, for joining us. All right, on the phone with us right now is Jonathan Vodders, CEO of Cannondale Draypack. Uh, Jonathan, there's been some, well, a lot of news from you in the last week, uh, specifically over last weekend, some not so good news. Uh, we speak, you know, both as as cycling reporters and as fans of the sport, and honestly, <coughs> fans of your team. Um, maybe the first place to start uh, is with the timeline. So, mm -hmm. could you tell us? Could you could you go back in time a little bit and tell us sort of what you knew and when, and specifically when did you know? that uh, this issue was coming down the pike? So, uh, specifically Friday morning. Uh, Friday morning, we were, <clears throat> we were given a, a call by um, the uh, prospective sponsor and, and um, told that it wasn't going to work. Um, so, immediately after that call, um, I, the first thing I did was call the rider agents, Rigo's agent, um, you know, whatever, just, just the agent, the, the guys that represent the riders and, and just told them all, listen, um, got some bad news. I may be able to correct it, but I can't guarantee you that you should start looking at any and all options for your riders. Now, those agents all sort of asked me, Hey, maybe it's best just to, to, uh, you know, leave it with us for a little while before you go public with this. And I, I actually agreed to that um, and said, yeah, I think you're right. You guys should go try to find jobs sort of quietly, um, you know, until until I sort of break this open. Um, but it started to sort of creep out anyway. I don't know really who or how or whatever, but it, it did. Um, 
Uh, and so, you know, I didn't, I didn't want it to leak. So as soon as I could feel that a few too many people kind of understood what the situation really was, um, I said, well, we just need to be, we need to be forthright about this. Uh, you know, obviously all the, the riders knew, you know, all the riders knew by Friday afternoon, but, Mm -hmm. um, but we, uh, decided to, to put it public on Saturday morning. Gotcha. And the deficit is 7 million us dollars is that correct yeah which is not an insignificant amount of money um no so at all one one follow-up question on that it's about chris Froome's salary (laughs) yeah that's a crazy perspective to have right team chris Froome, right yeah exactly (laughs) one follow-up on that though jonathan so up until friday did you didn't have any inkling at all that things were insecure with this potential new sponsor not really no so just totally blindsided you you never know until you know, but, um, I, you know, I've been doing this for a decade and, um, you, you know, normally you can kind of, you can kind of smell when deals are going sideways and this one just didn't, didn't, uh, didn't, didn't have that, that smell to it. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Hmm. So from the press release, it looked like the – well, you, you said this explicitly. The team's sponsor portfolio for 2018 otherwise remained the same. You know, got Cannondale, mm-hmm. uh, Draypack, Pock, Oath. Uh, we had heard elsewhere that, that Cannondale was, was interested in, in pulling back. So I imagine that that was probably some of the, of the gap there. Um, but what changed? Like what's, what's the reason for this major financial fall off? Is it just this, uh, this other sponsor that failed to come on or is there other, was there other cash that went away? Well, listen, I, no, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's primarily the lack, um, of, you know, a first naming rights sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know, clear. I mean, I'm actually really happy and proud of how much I don't know, background sponsorship, or you want to call it, you know, with the second name and the bike sponsor and, and, you know, our digital media partner and so on and so forth. Like all that stuff has actually gone exceedingly well. Hmm. Um, usually speaking, you know, uh, selling a, a first name, that's kind of what everyone wants. And it's, and it's, and it's just a matter of pricing. Um, and I, and obviously we were able to get the price of that first name down to a, a really inexpensive point. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that even at 7 million us, that that would be the least expensive first name sponsor in the world tour. Do you have any um, estimate? Do you have any estimates on what the majority of world tour teams are selling that kind of placement for? Uh, I mean, it's really hard to say. I, because I mean, you, you've got, you know, sky publishes their stuff publicly, so you can go look that up. Um, and then the UCI gives us, um, it's, it's a a barometer of where you sit on the total budget scale. Um, and I mean, (laughs) unfortunately the graphic they send us is literally a water bottle. And like, and if you're, you know, if if your water bottle is full, that means you're one of the wealthiest teams. And if your water bottle is empty, that means you're one of the poorest teams. And our water bottle is like all the way down at the bottom where there's not very much water left. So it's still a fun game though, right? It's still kind of fun to have a little water bottle graphic, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you can, you know, listen, you you can sort of make some guesses and assumptions, um, based on, based on all of that. I mean, I know, you know, that I've seen stuff published, I don't know, in like Le Keep or whatever, they're like totally grossly inaccurate, not even close. I mean, what we can basically assume from the UCI graphics, you know, is that the top is uh, of a total budget is 40 million and that the, at the bottom 
of the world tour, a total budget is about 15 million U.S. dollars, talking U.S. dollars here. Um, so, you know, uh, even if our budget isn't like the bottom of the bottom, which I think is pretty close, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. Um, the fact that we have a lot of deals that sort of uh, are underneath the first name of the team um, to me means that, that our first name is actually priced underneath even teams that have a similar budget to us. Hmm. So, I mean, it's deductive logic. I don't know what everyone's selling it out there selling it for. I know, um, you, you know, when you, when you take it to like a third party valuation, like we took our, our deal to Wasserman and said, would you evaluate this for us and help us sell it? We, you know, we've retained Wasserman and associates for the last year and they put the valuation of what they could sell it at at 12.5 million. Now, so that's initially what we tried to sell it for is 12.5, but obviously, uh, you know, that, that one, we weren't getting any bites at 12.5 million and two, uh, we didn't need that much to run the team anymore. So we were able to kind of pull that, that pricing down. Hmm. Looking forward a little bit. Um, do you have any, I know I asked you this via text over the weekend. Do you have any good leads? I mean, is this, it, it, you probably have only a week or two before basically the entire team has, has at least attempted to jump ship. Um, yeah. Do you have any leads that, you know, are you going to have an announcement for us next Monday that, that is happy news or <laughs> <laughs> anything, Listen, anything I mean, going we, on? <clears throat> we've got some good leads. Um, I won't say anything concrete yet, but we've got some good leads. Um, we've got a lot of people that are really trying to help us out. And a lot of people that have, you know, a lot of resources and a lot of passion for the sport and a lot of, you know, social connections and business connections. So, I mean, the, the crew that's sort of working on this is, is, uh, is pretty impressive really. Um, who are, who are some of those people who's working on it with you? Well, some of them I can say, some of them I can't. Um, <laughs> but one, John Kerry, John Kerry's been, been pounded in doors for us, which is you know, a real one. honor that, that, that he's willing to do that. Yeah. Um, and there, there are quite a few others that I just haven't asked whether they'd be okay if I mentioned it or sure. not. So, um, but um, so, I, I mean, there, there's reason for optimism. Our, you know, the crowdfunding campaign um, has gone way over uh, any of our wildest dreams. Uh, you, you know, we're 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 just about to get that live. Um, it was a little bit tricky because most of the, the crowdfunding sites generally try to, sh- you know, they shy away from professional sports teams uh, trying to raise money. So it, it took some extra steps to get actual approval. Mm-hmm. But when we put out on our website, basically, uh, you know, a notice saying here, sign up here. And, you know, could, so we can gauge the level of interest, um, even though that's not, you know, money in the bank the the level of interest and and the amount that people sort of pledge through that source on our website has has already gone well over a million dollars so that's really encouraging and apart from that i mean imagine you know that's a million dollars in 24 hours imagine in you know two weeks or whatever that that number hits two or three million more so than that that actual money what that says is you know, people are invested in this team. The fans are invested not only emotionally, but they're they're invested and willing to actually pay to see this team go on and succeed. And I n- I never thought that 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 we would see that level of funding come in. Um, and it's 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 flattering 
but you know, of course, my true hope is is that um, you know that that a, that a corporate sponsor looks and says, "Hey, wow, you know, there's a lot of love for these guys. Maybe maybe we need to we need to jump on this because I think you know people are they're speaking with their with their wallets, which is which is really nice." Hmm. Yeah, Jonathan, I was actually going to ask you about the crowdfunding thing, and that that actually is pretty surprising to me that you expect that kind of revenue from it uh, if it gets well, off, it's not, if I it don't gets off the ground it at all. I mean, I did. I expected like I right. don't know, you know, maybe fifty grand or something. Yeah, but, you know, no, no, I, yeah, the doors off. No, I mean, like now that you've seen the interest level, mm. that's my point. And uh, I, I was kind of curious as to how much of the crowdfunding approach was a play to drum up interest and buzz versus a legit fundraising, uh, move. Well, listen, I mean, (laughs) it's both. I mean, it's both. I don't, I, I I mean, my preference is obviously not to, to pay professional athletes with people's hard earned money. Um, that, you know, that, that, that I, I, I don't like that just on a, on a personal level, but we didn't, you know, the crowdfunding campaign wasn't really our idea. It was, I'm guessing probably almost a thousand messages on Twitter and Facebook and so on and so forth of people saying, crowdfund it, do it. I will chip in a hundred bucks. I will chip in 200, blah, blah, blah. And so we, it was us reacting to our fans pushing really hard to, to do it. Um, so here we are. And whether that, you know, can fill up part of the gap or whether, you know, whether it fills up part of the gap or all of the gap or, or whether, um, it, it's just symbolic and, and, and some, you know, big fortune 50 company steps in and, and, and does the whole thing. All three of those are acceptable conclusions. I mean, obviously my preference is, you know, the last that, that, that somebody does this for, for, brand and for you know for understanding the, the level of fan engagement uh that that you know that this team has and that cycling has but um but all three all three options are are an acceptable um way at the at this point um and if and if you get part of the way there i mean do you have do you have you know maybe sponsors that are not willing to put forth a full seven million that might be interested in four or five is that another option <laughs> Yeah, that's another possibility. That's also that that could happen as well. Um, you know, and we've also had some you know some private backers that have said you know that if we get close, that I mean, one that has said you know I'll fill in a million dollars if you guys get close. You know, and that's that's just personal personal money. So is, is that the same one that we have long time long long associated with your team Doug, or no. a new person? No. No. <laughs> it's no. not Doug different, Ellis. Different person. Gotcha. Not Doug Ellis. No, different person. Speaking of Doug, we heard that he was interested in pulling some of his money out of the team this year. Is that part of the is that part of the gap that not, you're facing right now? No, he's not he's not gonna pull anything out of the team. It's just Doug can't you know, Doug can't or any individual can't just keep backfilling year after year after year after year. But I mean, he certainly has never looked at, at, um, whatever. I mean, the team being a profitable entity for himself. I mean, that's never been his motivation or he's never, he's never requested a dime from me. Mm -hmm. So speaking of your other sponsors, so your other, your, your four major sponsors, there sticking around for now. Uh, Is there any concern over those, 
getting poached by other teams? I mean, obviously, there are well, entities that are interested in cycling, and if they don't think your team's going to sure. exist in a month, then they could go yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, oh, I, I, of course. I mean, d- listen, the... I mean, this this situation resolves in two weeks or it doesn't. I mean, there, there's no. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Canada or Draypack or any. Those they're not going anywhere in two weeks. Mm-hmm. But if we, in two weeks' time, if we sit down and say, well, this hasn't improved and we haven't been able to close the gap, then of course they could they could go to another team and I and I would certainly encourage them to to you know to remain involved in cycling and to and to keep funding you know cycling. Um, but I don't, you know, in two weeks, I don't think that's a risk. So it's not really poaching. It's either we'll be here and they'll stick by us or we won't be around and they won't stick by us. Do you think most of your riders are going to give it that kind of general amount of time before they make a move to a new team? Well, I think, you know, Rigo set the tone. Right. That was, um, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think that, you know, listen, that guy is, he's just a charismatic leader and all the guys on the team look up to him like, you know, like a grand patron. So, um, I think they'll, they'll follow his lead basically. And just to be clear for the listeners, there's, uh, I think it was cycling news did the story that was two. He's, he's basically giving you two weeks, right? Or two weeks, two weeks know, before two weeks. he, he goes yeah. looking for a new team just out of respect, which is classy. I mean, which which is more than I even. I mean, way more than I would have anticipated, and more than I'd even. You know, I'd said, "Well, we got about ten days," and he he's the one who came up with two weeks. I mean, it was very. I don't know. I, what a great guy. I mean, that's all all I have to say. I he didn't discuss that with me. He didn't ask me. I didn't. He just that was his own volition. JV, I'm interested. Uh, I, I know what we don't want to go too far down into hypotheticals here, but if you are not running a professional cycling team next year. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't really thought about that. I, you know, there were obviously times here in the last couple of days where I've, I've said, Oh, you know, gosh, hmm, I need to think about this. But, um, you know, I, I feel like right now my my obligation is to do everything I can to salvage the team. And then, um, you know, if, if that doesn't work and we can't go forward, then at that point in time, my job, um, you know, becomes helping, you know, guys out that haven't been able to find jobs or, or and, and being able to shut down, you know, the, the team nicely. I mean, I, you know, listen, I mean, the, the, the captain goes down with a ship, so... So that's kind of <laughs> that. That will kind of be my fate in in the bad scenario. Gotcha. Well, we're we're hoping the ship doesn't go down. We are. We are. We got our fingers yeah. crossed. So. I'm hoping the ship doesn't go. I mean, that's the you know. Right now, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm 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 working. You know, I mean, I'm I'm always on call. You call me at three o'clock in the morning, and I will answer the phone because it might be a sponsor. So it's <laughs> you know we're. I'm fully invested, you know, both personally and professionally to, to seeing this work. Um, so, you know, that as of right now, I haven't really got I've given much thought as to what the heck else I could do. Well, Jonathan, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And like Spencer said, we, uh, you know, we're all bike fans here. We do hope that, that you get lucky or, or maybe just, you know, some crazy crowdfund thing happens and you get, seven million dollars what do you name the, the team though if it's totally it's a crowdfunded question. team how do you name 
<laughs> Can you put everyone's name uh, in it? Like, yeah, a... we, we we've had a couple of suggestions. Uh, one I liked was Unicorn Team Unicorn. <laughs> ah, okay. yeah, see? yeah. So but imagine the kit. If it was a unicorn yeah. team, imagine the kit. It would be unbelievable. <laughs> imagine, yeah. No, there's wow. Yeah, mm. that's uh, uh, I, that that would be. Uh, I don't know. That that'd actually be kind of fun, actually, to name the team. <laughs> right, well, you give us a call. We got some good ideas. Here. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> actually, I got one more for you, JV. Uh, sure. I, I think so. Here's the issue: is hoodie just texted me uh, while mm. we're talking on my phone, and so I can't actually see what that text message says because it's on WhatsApp as well. But it said something oh, okay. about Unibet. Was Unibet the 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 company that you were uh, working with that fell through? I. It, you know, I'm not at liberty to discuss who we were talking to and who we weren't, and and you know any of that. So uh-huh. sorry, I can't answer that one. All good, all good. Just saw that text come through while we were talking, and thought I, I had to at least ask. Uh, again, thanks again for for joining us. Uh, we, like I said, we will we wish you the best of luck over the next two weeks. Um, yeah, and we'll hopefully catch up with you sometime soon. All right, thank you. Mr. Kaylee Freds. Yes. Did you race your bicycle today? Uh not with a number. Okay. But we were we were riding as fast as we possibly could. That counts. Yeah. That counts. Uh, if you are a bicycle racer, our friends at Health IQ have a special deal for you. You can actually submit your race results and Strava file, Ooh. as we mentioned earlier in this episode, and get a great quote on life insurance. Because Health IQ is the company that that's made its business model around catering to fit folks like, like you and us. me. I know. People who We're ride bikes. So fit. We're so fit. Dude, you're looking really fit today. I was going to say that. <laughs> Thanks, Fred. Appreciate that. Um, where do the good people go to find this deal? Well, Fred, they can head straight to healthiq.com slash velonews. We have a super uber special URL. You get your super uber special uh, quote at that URL. Head straight to healthiq.com slash Villainies. Uh You can do Strava. You can do race results. I wonder what they're going to have next, like mm. um, like town sprint, like Ooh. group ride results. Yeah, you have like I don't know, you have to take photos. Or I, I think so. How would you prove it? Well, you could just get some other dudes from the group ride uh, to vouch for you. Ah, uh, testimonial. Yeah, but since <laughs> it's the Boulder group ride, they'd probably make up excuses. Wow, well, I was going to beat him, but you know, yeah. yeah, end of a hard week. It's true. Yeah, so much training. Yep, didn't have any breakfast. All right, back to the show. So, Spencer, now that JV is off the line, uh, it sounded to me like Unibet is probably the sponsor that pulled out. Hmm. Yeah. It wasn't Unibet the, the sponsor they had for that one team, but then it got, they wouldn't let them do it because it was gambling and it turned into Blanco, Team Blanco, right? Yes. Wasn't that? Yes, yes. That was like 2007 or it was eight. a while ago. Uh, yeah, and that team turned into Blanco. Belkin is now essentially Lotto NL Yumbo. Maybe this saved Cannondale a lot of trouble. Maybe. Because if they tried to do the whole betting website thing and it got shot down again, maybe the whole, they uh, the whole sh- just ah, who knows? <laughs> remember, yeah, because that that team it was the one with the like yeah. a, they they raced with question marks on yeah, their jerseys yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Anyway, the, it does it does indeed. You know, obviously, JFU will not uh, will neither confirm nor deny that particular uh, bit of information that Hoodie sent over while we were interviewing Jonathan. Great timing. Uh, great timing. But it does that does indeed sound like maybe the sponsor that uh, that pulled out. Moving forward, I think we need to ask a Cat Three something. 
Yeah, totally. This is that time of the year where all the Cat 3s around the world are trying to figure out what team to join for the yeah. next season. Because, you know, it's a, it's a hustle. you got to hustle. Highly relevant, as there may now be up to about 30 professionals also looking for a similar team. So let's yeah. let's let's ask a Cat 3 here. Now that Spencer, you're back. I'm back. Cat 3 is back. Solo Cat 3 today, Solo Cat no, 3. No Fred. Fred's off uh, getting married. Fred is off getting married. Congrats to our editor-in-chief. Congrats. Way to get married. So, Cat 3 Spencer, <sighs> if... You're looking for a new team. You know, obviously you have a lot of options. How do you pick which team you're going to go to? How do mm. you find a new team? Yeah, good question. Well, as a Cat 3, I've probably got a lot of experience in the professional realm. And we all know that in the world of normal jobs, daily, day-to-day jobs, it's all about LinkedIn. Mm. LinkedIn is really your, your lifeline. So you gotta start from at, you got to start hooking up with a lot of people on LinkedIn. A lot of people who are like maybe somewhat related to the bike industry or uh, bike shop mechanics, maybe mm. see if they're on LinkedIn or just just find someone with the same name as them on LinkedIn. Maybe it's not them, but <laughs> close enough. Uh, yeah, really good get tip. really good get tip. act really get active on LinkedIn, um, and then also just bombard people's social media feeds because that's the real value of a, of a cyclist these days is just filling up that social feed with all sorts of content about your sponsors. Sweet hashtags. Mm. Yep. Mm. So. Uh, that's uh, that's what I'm thinking, and um, hopefully you don't uh, crash and break collarbone in the last crit of the season. <laughs> Top Cat 3 tip. That's, mm. Thanks, Spencer. You're welcome. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, Kaylee. We're about to get into our outro question, but uh, I can't believe we didn't bring, up, bring this up at the beginning of the show. Big, big news from the weekend. Huge news. Our cyclist, who has the favorite name among the Velo News office, won a big bike race on Sunday. Taco Vanderhorn, best name in the peloton. I'm saying it right now, by far. Yeah, no one's de- no one's debating that. There's, there's not even. I mean, there's no Taco one. There's no one within within spitting distance. No. Taco M F Vanderhorn <laughs> One skull shells. Shell shells. Shells. Yeah, shells. Shells. We just, have no idea how to say the name of the race. We're very very illiterate when it comes to pronouncing <laughs> Belgian words. But it was a cool race. I'll be honest. It's it's one of the most unique races you'll find on the UCI, the UCI calendar. It's got sections of cobblestones, dirt roads, farm roads. They go through fields randomly, just through the grass. There, I, I tuned in. We had the stream on our website. Hopefully, you guys caught a little of it. They had these funny little um, human interest pieces midway through. I turned turn it on at one point, and it wasn't any bike racing. But sure enough, there's Nico Matan, like, pruning some bushes on the side of the course and stuff like <laughs> Nico Matan, the ex pro uh pro racer I was it was and it was a great finish though I mean it's an aggressive race because of all this wild terrain they go over and it's a real popular race actually for the cyclocross guys because it's good good for them in terms of the they're they're good at handling their bikes on sketchy surfaces yeah. and it's coming right before the season begins and sure enough Defending champ Wout Van Aert was in the mix, went off the front solo in the last 5K, and our old friend Taco Vanderhorn pulled him back right in the end. <laughs> Big win for Taco Vanderhorn. I couldn't be happier. Uh, we're pretty stoked on that. We already love that race, and we already love Taco, and the Double combination whammy. of the two is just just brilliant. I hope it gets Taco a world tour contract. That would be sweet, because then we could talk about, all the to- all, talk about him all the time. Talking Taco. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into our final outro question, Kaylee. And you know it's got to be this question, right? It's got to be this. It's what is going to be the sponsor that saves Cannondale? 
Spencer, I need a minute to think about this. What, 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 do, you, what do you think? Who's going to save him? I'm thinking Walmart. Ooh. Hey, you know, the, the Walmart heirs jumped in and bought Rafa recently. Ooh. They clearly got a little, little money to throw around, and um, maybe they want to... Maybe they want to kind of challenge Amazon a little since Amazon just bought Whole Foods. Uh, why not buy a pro cycling team? Walmart Cannondale Drapak pro cycling team. And it would be great for the riders because they'd be able to purchase a lot of bulk food and they'd be able to stay fueled. <laughs> uh, well, I think that Levi's should come on as... Wait, the, Levi Leipheimer? Levi, yeah, Levi Leipheimer. No, Levi's the, okay. the Canadian tuxedo company. Yeah! Uh, I think that they should come on as title sponsor of the team because there's already a bunch of riders like uh, Taylor Finney. They love riding around in their jean jackets. Alex Howes. Alex yeah. Howes. They love a little bit of uh, Normcore bicycle attire, and I think that would just be a perfect partnership. And it could be like a throwback to the 90s with that Carrera team that had those awesome uh, denim overall-looking shorts. I think Pantani was on that team or something? Yep, Pantani was definitely on that team. I would love to see Lycra Denim come back. I think that a, a, fake, a faux denim kit would be absolutely amazing, and I think that uh, the Canada guys would look really good in it. And surely one of them will grow a mullet like Laurent Brochard did. I'm sure one of them already does. There we go. <laughs> um, well, that's it for the Velenews podcast this week. In honor of fred and his impending matrimony we're gonna bring you a uh, a fred reading the outro script from a couple weeks ago mostly because we couldn't find the script ourselves we couldn't find the script so fred's we're, gonna... we're, we're lost without you fred we really are <laughs> we're very lost so fred from afar is going to read the outro script but yeah for Spencer Palson, I'm Kaylee Fritz. Thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, well, we would love your feedback on what we talked about today. You can email us at webletters at competitorgroup.com. We'll also post links to the stories we talked about today on com. Subscribe to the Villainous Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And while you're there, please leave us a comment and a rating. Become a fan of Velonews on Facebook at facebook.com slash Magazine and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash News. The Velonews Podcast is produced by Velonews, which is owned by the Competitor Group. The thoughts and opinions expressed on the Velonews Podcast are those of the individual and as always we leave you with the brooklyn boogaloo blowout playing the bernard party classic soul drums yo sé que estás ahí eh, imaginando como despertar si no puedes sentir es porque esto Acaba de empezar, no se te escucha bien O es que no tienes nada que contar Puedes quedarte ahí Pero ya nada, nada será igual Porque te mira, ella te mira Si la llevas a bailar, a amar No necesita ni una palabra más de hacerse de Siente de ver